Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. And this God who reigns above it all wants to do life with every one of us down here on planet Earth, no matter how many of us humans there are. You know, when I was born, I think I heard my mother say uh, during my life that I was one in a million. I was actually <laughs> one in 2.8 billion. And if I was born today, child born today, they're, 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 they're one in 7.9 billion. Uh, that means that in my approximately-ish, 59-ish <laughs> years on the planet, over 5 billion humans have joined me. You and I are told we'll soon be in a world of over 8 billion population. Now, does that make you feel more significant or less significant? Uh, more valuable or less valuable? I mean, we're going to have to come up with a new uh, definition for what it means to be lost in a crowd. How big does the crowd have to be? Uh, it's like the individual now can be diluted in this sea of humanity. Remember the feeling you had when you went to, to that new high school, maybe you moved into a city or went to this regional high school and just so many people and who were you? Um, do you remember uh, looking at an airplane at a city of millions of people and thinking, people live in all those houses and work in all those buildings? How many of us are there? H have you ever been in a lineup to get your Canadian passport renewed? I mean, it, it's, it's like, anyway, it's like with 7.9 billion of us on the planet, does God even know? I'm here. Does he, does he still keep track of the individual when there's so many of us? However, if you look in the Bible to actually investigate God's track record of keeping tabs on individuals, individuals in a huge population, here's what you see. You, you've got, for instance, you've got Gideon's incredible shrinking army outnumbered 45 to 1, and yet they won. Remember the boy? David versus the giant Goliath. Do you remember who won? <laughs> God, God just does well with mismatches, doesn't he? And then Abraham and Sarah are childless seniors. And God says, look at the sky, as many stars as you can see. <laughs> that's how many descendants you're going to have. I mean, Jesus takes... One boy's lunch in a moment of uh, food scarcity, and that one, one lunch is multiplied into lunches for thousands and thousands of people. God, God just seems to thrive when the odds are against. And, and ever read in the Gospels uh, about people there? You know, well, what, listen, what, what do Zacchaeus, 
What does a hemorrhaging woman and blind Bartimaeus, what do they all have in common? Each of them were lost in large crowds, and yet Jesus sees each of them as an individual, and he personally transforms their individual future. You know, one woman in the Old Testament, she has a beautiful name. Her name is Esther. <laughs> she changes, one woman, she changes the, the, the fate, life, death, fate of an entire nation. And then Paul, the Apostle Paul is stuck in a, a Roman prison cell in the first century. And he writes to those outside, if God is for us, who can be against us? He's basically saying one plus God equals a majority. And that's exactly what a little known woman, I don't know if she's a little woman or not, but she's not well known, little known woman in the Bible reveals to us today. Today we begin a special summer series called You Versus the Universe. Now, if I ask you, for the names of some of the women in the Bible. If you've read the Bible, you may, this one that I'm gonna talk about today probably gets lost in the crowd of Eve and Sarah, Esther, Naomi, Ruth, Miriam, Rachel, Rebecca, Priscilla, Phoebe, Martha, three different Marys. You see, this woman though, she leads a unique nation that has been given an assignment to bring the Messiah to the entire human race. She, she single-handedly leads this unique nation out of one of their lowest lows in their history. I mean, Israel had had great highs. They had done well for many generations, but then they would not do so well. They'd bring shalom and be a light to the nations around them. And then they'd go through a time where they, uh, they looked at the nations around them. They looked at their neighboring nations and, and, and saw them being selfish and lustful and greedy and having idols. And let's basically said, let's do that too. Let's do what they're doing. And they'd go for short-term gain, even though it meant long-term pain. And they get themselves into another low. And it's in one of these lows that this, of this Israeli nation, uh, matter of fact, they're in three big lows when a woman comes on the scene. What's, what's the first low? The first thing that they were, T-I-L-G was at a low. D-I-Y spirituality was on the rise. That's trust in the living God was at a low you know, they said, let's make idols like the nations around us. Let's, let's just live free of God's plan. And so they tried life without God. A couple of weeks ago, I, I reported on statistics regarding the direction of uh, people in Canada when it comes to religion. And, and we saw that a lot of them are basically, you know, they have no religion in particular. And then a lot of them are saying, well, I just take my favorite part of each religion that I like, sort of like going to a buffet. I like a bit of this, I like a bit of that, and they sort of have a buffet kind of religion in Canada. Now, another thing was at a low, and that is the economy. The Canaanite king Jabin had defeated Israel, and uh, the Israelis were relegated to the worst jobs in the economy, and so oppression was on the rise. 
they, they were slaves in the Canaanite economic system. And so they were oppressed. Now, if I ask you what's on the rise in Canada today, how many would say with me, well, grocery prices, gas prices, inflation's on the rise, anxiety about the economy's on the rise, maybe recession is on the rise. And when people are oppressed and it goes on for years and years, what do they do? Something else goes to a new low. Confidence goes to a low. And uh, people just, they're not confident about their future. On the rise, discouragement. They get discouraged. And that's exactly what happened with the Israelites in this low time. Listen, the low time for them went on 10 times longer than COVID has for us. And they, they did what people usually do when a tough time keeps going on and on and they get to such a point of discouragement and oppression and, and, and their way that they've been doing things for themselves just has not been working out. Life without God has not been going so well. And, and, and scripture says they were ruthlessly oppressed by the Canaanites for 20 years. Then the people of Israel cried out to the Lord for help. I remember getting a, a call from the University of Alberta Hospital when I was pastoring in Edmonton. It was so unusual. They got through and, and, and they got to me and I was on the phone and they said, We're, there, we have a lady here that's going in for surgery in a little while and she's refusing to go for her surgery until a Pentecostal pastor comes and prays for her. And so, okay, I felt like I was being like an angel just coming. So I, I rushed down to the hospital and was brought right in and she was all, uh, you know, ready for surgery, lying on the stretcher. And I prayed for the doctors and nurses and I, I tried to shine for Jesus. But then I was thinking later, why did she want a Pentecostal pastor to come and pray for her? And then I thought about it and realized that, well, she knew that Pentecostals as, as well as maybe the largest group of people who are followers of Jesus belong to groups of Christian communities who believe that when they pray that God answers prayer. And she, she wanted that. So that's what I like the Israel. You know, I, I, I want to get in touch with someone who's in touch with the, the living God. The Israeli people are at a low, but they're starting to wake up to uh, the reality that religion isn't doing it. This do-it-yourself spirituality is not changing our lives and giving us what we really need to help us. And so they cry out to the living God. Now, two Bible experts use the same phrase when I was researching to describe what happens when the people here cried out to the Lord for help. They both use the phrase, out of nowhere. <laughs> out of nowhere, a woman came to the rescue. One said, she did for Israel what Joan of Arc did for France. And the following chapter records a song that describes what happens next. They look back on it. They write a song out of the good things that happen next. And here, here's one of the lyrics of the song. Wake up, Deborah. <laughs> wake up, wake up, wake up and sing a song. <laughs> when, I, when I read that, you know, I thought, well, that's not wokeism. 
like it's talked about in our culture right now. It's more like the wokeism that happens when my wife, who worked as a nurse, had to get up for, uh, in the early morning for one of her shifts. You know, I'm a light sleeper. I like the alarm that starts soft and gradually gets louder. It doesn't even have to get very loud. Sometimes I shut off the alarm before it even goes off, even if it's early in the morning. I, I'm a light sleeper, but my wife, she likes an alarm that, <laughs> well, it makes it sound like there's a, an emergency call to battle for an entire army, you know? Wake up, everybody, you know? It's not unlike the Amber Alert you get on your phone, you know? Anyway, when, when Deborah wakes up to rescue her nation from its low, she's living out an answer to three questions. Three questions that can just change where you're going in your future. Three questions. As a matter of fact, before we look at the three questions, let me make a claim. Your answer to these three questions will determine what your, your future looks like spiritually. It'll impact you economically. And it's definitely going to change the confidence level that you have about your future. Question number one, how can I do my best in my present situation? How can I do my best in my present situation. What was Deborah doing in her day-to-day -day situation? Well, Deborah, the wife of Lapidoth, was a prophet who was judging Israel at that time. She would sit under the palm of Deborah, where else, right? Between Ramah and Bethel in the hill country of Ephraim, and the Israelites would go to her for judgment. So Deborah was working away at her present responsibilities. She was a wife, she had a job, and she obviously was good at her job because some of them who had this job in other parts of the uh, old covenant time for Israel here, they didn't do such a good job, but she was so good at her job, she would resolve people's toughest dis disputes. By the time they got to her, you know, they, they had tried to resolve them and she would somehow help them have a fair resolution, direction for their lives. And as you're about to see, people would trust her spiritually so much that they risked their lives to do what she said, what she said was in their best interest to do, what God wanted them to do with their lives. She had that much street cred with people from the way she handled her day-to-day -day responsibilities. Have you ever noticed how God notices? How, how we handle our present responsibilities determines whether he will entrust us with more. How we're handling the small things, the day-to-day -day life, even our hearts, how we handle our heart relationship with him. You see that with David, if you've read the Bible. David, he's out alone shepherding the sheep, having his devotions, cultivating a heart for God with songs and reaching out in prayers to God. He's running errands for his dad. He's just being faithful in the small things. Gideon, Jeremiah, a lot of the prophets, they're busy when God calls them to a place of speaking truth that will help people change their direction and go in a direction where they can be blessed. Ruth. God sees her as a, a new immigrant in Israel going to Israel's food bank system as a way of taking care of her and her mother-in-law, and God sees her. Beautiful story in the Bible. Peter, James, and John. 
They're busy in their fishing business when Jesus calls them to be fishers of men. So many Bible heroes spent a big chunk of their lives, you can go check it out, spent a big chunk of their lives just being faithful in the small things in day-to-day life, and God saw that. God saw that. Uh, You know, there there are a lot of people uh, wait around for the big break. You know, when I get my, when my boat comes in or, you know, when I just get that job, when I get that right interview and I'm just going to shoot right up into the stratosphere of success, I'm waiting for the big break and, and the dream job, but they don't take their present responsibilities seriously enough to try to do a good job with what is already their present responsibility. Uh, how many have noticed a difference between how people can describe what they can do and then what they, what they actually end up doing? You know, one cynical uh, employment agency uh, employee <laughs> said this, if they call themselves a serial entrepreneur, that means their businesses keep failing. If they call them, if they say they're looking for a new challenge, that means they're about to be fired. <laughs> If they say, I'm enthusiastic, that means I will suggest all manner of annoying (laughs) team-building exercises. If they say, I'm a problem solver, that means I will make problems where none of them exist. (laughs) And what is God looking for? What is God looking for? One of my favorite verses from the Old Testament says it this way. It says, the eyes of the Lord search the whole earth in order to strengthen those whose hearts the hidden part of them, just the smallest area that no one else can see, the secret place of them, their hearts are fully committed to him. He's looking right now. He sees you. And if your heart is wanting to do what's right, you may fail, but you're wanting to do what's right and you're wanting your your life to make a difference. God, God sees that. He sees your heart. People who are faithful in the present situation. It's because Deborah is doing her best in her responsibilities as judge that God can work through her to do more and he'll do the same for you. All right, question number two. Question number two. What does God want done in my generation? In the time, the context, the relationships that I live in, the work, the job that I have. What what does God want done in my generation? What does God want done? Just listen to Deborah. She's obviously not just, you know, just you and me, honey. She's married, doesn't sound like they had children. But she's not just praying about her own needs and, and, and praying for her husband. She's carrying a burden for what God wants to do in the world in which she lives, the nation in which she lives, in her generation. Just listen to her. In a time where where TILG is at a low and do-it-yourself spirituality is on the rise, she says, has not the Lord God of Israel commanded, go. (laughs) In a nation where the economy's at a low, oppression is on the rise, listen to her. She raises her voice in that dark, murky context, and she says, I will give you, the Lord says, I will give you victory over your oppressor. 
And in a generation where confidence is at a low and discouragement is on the rise, she says this, listen to this. Has not the Lord gone ahead of you? Has not the Lord gone before you? God is with you. There's something so inspiring, even igniting <laughs> to our souls when we're at a low and someone comes along and says, you are God's child. He may reign over all the earth, but his eyes are on you and he's looking for your heart. And if your heart is looking for him, he's got you and he's gonna be there for you. And whatever you're going through, he's gonna bring good even out of the bad situations. Oh, there's something about that. You know, last uh, couple of years, we've had a lot to discourage us, haven't we? Each of us have our own story of, uh, of just whole different kinds of lows. And sometimes it's hard to see God's purposes, right? You know, we, even for a church community, we can't volunteer and do and impact the way we found because of Pastor Jonathan and our, our staff here, such creative ways to just keep on doing church and helping people. But, but we've also had lows. It's tough sometimes. And so I was re reading these words from Psalm 66 from the Message Bible, and it just seemed to fit where a lot of us could be at right at this time. It says, bless our God, O peoples. He trained us first, passed us like silver through refining fires, pushed us to our very limit, road tested us inside and out, took us to hell and back. Finally, he brought us to this well-watered place. Deborah does that for the people in her generation. She says, it's God's put you through things to get you back on track, <laughs> to get you back on the road with him again. But he's had a purpose in this and he's bringing you to this place and he wants you to experience victory in his power, fulfilling his purposes again. Deborah does that for the people of her generation. Now listen how the head of the Israeli military responds to Deborah. Barak is his name. Barak told her, I will go, you know, to take on the enemy. <laughs> I will go, but only if you go with me. Listen, when you hung out with Deborah, <laughs> your courage level went up if she was with you because you just had such confidence in her her, her relationship with God and that she had such cred because she was faithful in those small things, the way she lived from day to day, that when, when she said something, you wanted her there with you. And if she was right there with you, you know that God would be with you. Oh, I want to be one of those people that brings courage to those that I do life with. Courage is not the absence of fear. There are good reasons for Deborah and the head of the military, Barak, here to fear. I mean, Jabin and his armies, the Canaanites, the Ammonites, the Midianites, the Mosquito Bites. I mean, there's a lot of things to fear. Courage, someone said. Courage is doing what God wants done because you trust him more than you trust your fear. Now think about it. Of course, you're going to trust this God who reigns above it all, who has all power, who cares and wants to do what's right in our lives to fulfill his plan and purposes. We can trust him. Now, what, what does God want to do in the next chapter of your life, of our church, 
What, what does he want to do in the lives of those that you are praying for these days? Those that you love and you're, you're doing life with? What does God want to do in and through the next generation? You know, I've been, my wife and I, we pray every evening and we often, maybe always pray for our young adults because we've been involved with them. And I, I want every young adult, every person, you know, to answer this question for your own good. What does God want to do through you? What does God want to do in this generation? In this time that we live in, what does God want to do? Listen, God has not given you the gifts and the talents and the opportunities and the education and any position you have. He has not given you any of that by accident. Jesus wants to shine through you there, make a difference in the lives of the other people that you do those areas of life with. He wants to bring encouragement to other people through you. And he's looking at your heart today and he sees if you have a heart for him and to bring his love and life and joy and peace and eternal life to other people. He sees that. So don't become discouraged. Be faithful in what he has already given you to do. Find your purpose in what the Lord wants done in your generation, just like Deborah did. And do you know what? As you want to see that happen, God will open up the way before you just like he did for Deborah, and God will fulfill his purposes for this generation through you. All right, but there's another question that needs to be asked here. How can I use my success from, from God for people? Now, we need to break that down. How can you, what's, what's success? Success. Well, Deborah, one historian wrote, Deborah was the difference between victory and defeat for her nation. She was so successful. But you know, there's, there's something about success. <laughs> it's dangerous. It can be the catalyst for our biggest failures. Success can be the catalyst for our biggest failures. Some people can't handle what comes with success, the position, the power that comes with it. They become a different person. Listen, if you have flaws in your character, success will reveal it. If you have immaturity in your life and you're not ready for a responsibility, success will reveal that. If you have greed or selfishness or pride hidden in your heart, success will surface that. It will reveal it. Some people, they're just, not, they're just not safe with success's power. Success is sort of strutted around as some kind of a trophy and they start to feel superior and entitled in their heart. And then they use that power to use and abuse people. It's almost disillusioning at time in the church, isn't it? Uh, here, another, yet another story about... Uh, Abuse or misuse of power, abuse of people. Uh, not just the residential schools in the past of Canada and other countries, but, but successful Christian leaders in our own time. Why is it disillusioning? Because what ends up hitting the headlines is the mess up. And all, all the good that so many followers of Jesus are doing in the world and doing in our nation. It's all about leaders messing up. Deborah has a lot to teach men and women on this. Now, it's true. Women can mishandle success just like 
men can mishandle success. You know, men can be Jabins, women can be Jezebels. They're both in the Bible. You know, but thank God for, for, for women and men. Uh, Pastor Jonathan, Dr. Van and I have talked a number of times, all on leadership staff here, about how grateful we are to be part of the fellowship of churches. It's called the Pentecostal Assemblies of Canada. That right from our earliest days, we ordained women. In other words, we recognized and made way for women to be in leadership, to use their gifts of teaching and communicating, administration, uh, to, to minister to people. And our church has been blessed by a lot of women pastors over the years, just to name a few. Where would our church be without the contributions of, of pastors like Jan Mokund and Marie Miller, Laura Jones, Stephanie Jones? Last week I asked Pastor Jessica, how long have you been on staff here? Less than a year. <laughs> Think of all the great contributions Pastor Jessica has made in that year. Why would anyone in the right mind when we're here to do so much for Jesus, want to hold back on women using everything that God has given them and gifted them with to help minister to other people. So, so what does Deborah model for us about success that's true for both men and women? Watch this. Success can be dangerous. What about success from God? If we recognize that success is from God, you know, I, I love the song that Deborah wrote after this huge successful military victory, some of the first words of the song say this, I will sing to the Lord. I will make music to the Lord, the God of Israel. Here's how she ends the song, all right? The last lyrics of the song go like this. But may those who love you shine like the rising sun at its brightest. May those who love you, Lord, you know, Right from the, the first words to right to the last words, she's giving God the glory. Humility, humility is not downplaying or degrading success. It's saying success may come to me, it may come through me, but it does not come from me. It comes from the Lord. You give credit where credit is due. You say it's all because of God's truth and grace and blessing and life at work in my life. All right, success from God for people, for people. Deborah didn't let success use her. She used success for people. Success for her wasn't a trophy, it was a tool. Didn't strut around saying, remember how we won that victory? No, no, it was a tool to serve God's people. And listen, whatever amazing gifts she had, the the. the the position, the power she had, and she had all of them. She entrusted God to work through her gifts to bring what was best for God's people. Did Deborah mess up? Well, you know, some did. Uh, you don't see that. Let's, let's see, here's what you do see. Then there was peace in the land for 40 years, probably for the rest of her lifetime. She didn't mess it up. She was faithful to the finish. She got to the finish line. Oh, I, I want to I be like Deborah. And, and look what went up because Deborah used her success from God and for people. Do-it-yourself spirituality, it went to a low. Trust in the living God, it was on the rise. Look at this. Oppression went to a new low, and the economy was on the rise. They were free to have control over their own finances again. 
Discouragement went to a low. Confidence was on the rise. Now, what about you? <laughs> what about you versus the universe? God wants to fulfill his plan and purposes through you in your life, in your world, in your generation. You say, yeah, but I'm just, I'm just one in 7.9 billion. That's true. That's true. Do you know how many stars there are in the universe? <laughs> I, I, I hesitate to even say it, but astronomers claim that 200 billion trillion. Did you hear me? 200 billion trillion. The psalmist declares that God knows every one of those stars. He knows the location, but he also he knows them by name, is the poetic way the psalmist says it. And the same God then has no problem, no matter how many billions of people are on the planet, not only knowing your name, but knowing how many hairs are on your head, knowing your heart, and knowing the purpose that he has for your life knowing how he wants to bless you and, and, and open up the way before you as you follow him and trust him in your life. Listen, however low you go, however discouraged you feel, however insignificant you may feel in this crowd of humanity, listen, you are here for a reason. You're on planet Earth for a reason, for such a time as this. How do you know the purpose? How do you know the reason that you're here for? You, you answered the same three questions that Deborah answered. You answer, how can I do my best in my present situation? How many need to pray about that? What you're doing right now, do my best. Well, how, how many need to pray about this? What does God want done in my generation? What can I contribute to what God wants done in my generation? And how can I use my success from God for people? How many need to just take successes and just humble yourself and just, and just say, God, all that I am or ever ho hope to be, I owe it all to you. I give you the glory. Let, let, let's pray about this right now. Lord, help us to become awake to your purpose in having us on earth amidst these billions of people in this generation, Lord. Lord, we can sometimes feel lost in a crowd and think that others will take care of things. We can feel on the sidelines or what we do doesn't even matter. Thank you, Lord, that your eyes are on us and you're looking for people who have a heart for you to strengthen them as they use what they have to make a difference in the lives of others, to do what you want done, Jesus, on planet Earth. And Lord, I pray that you would help people that are going through a tough time right now. They, maybe all they need to hear is your eyes are on them. They are your child and you care for them and you're gonna get them through this, Lord. Just like you get people through it every time, whatever generation, when they turn their hearts to you, you give them what they need to get to a place of success. Lord, I pray that you would do that for people, for us as a church as well, Lord. Oh Lord, help us to this week to bring courage <laughs> to people, to bring peace to people, years of peace to people. And Lord, help us to bring your good news, Jesus, to people, I pray. And so may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of Father God, and the continuous close companionship of the Holy Spirit be with you every day this week. Love you, church.
Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time.